can have a seat, guys. Why don't you have a seat? We're going to do a few things today. Uh, Family Sunday is always a fun day. We're going to start off by playing a game. Is that okay with you? You guys like playing games? There's a game that I want to play, and this game is called One of These Things is Not Like the Other. Have you guys heard of this game before? There's actually a song that goes along with it. One of these things is not like the other. One of these things is just not the same, right? So we're going to play One of These Things is Not Like the Other. And you guys are allowed to talk back when we're playing these games, okay? So here's the deal. We're going to show you a picture on the screen, and you have to call out. You have to tell us which of those things is not like the other. It's very complicated. You guys think you can handle it? You guys think you can handle it? Oh, come on. Do you guys think you can handle it? That's better. All right, guys, let's pull it up on the screen. What is the first one? Let's take a look. What do you think? Which one of these things is not like the other? Say it aloud. The one that's upside down. I heard it over here. Yes, absolutely. You know, this is from the original Sesame Street. Parents, do you know that if you watch the original Sesame Street now, there's a parental warning on it. Yeah, like the characters smoke. It's crazy, all right? Now, let's take a look at the next screen, kids. Nice and loud. One of these things is not like the other. What is it? The blue bird. That's right. Okay, let's do another one. One of these things is not like the other. Which one is it? It's Robin. Yes, one more, guys. One more. One of these things is not like the other. Which one? Guys, that's gross. Take that off the screen. Take that off the screen. Guys, we're going to talk about something today called integration. It's a big word. Does anybody know what the word integration means? Hmm. It means all together. It means all completed and all the way through our lives. The Where we get the word integrity is actually integration. When everything works together, when everything belongs and works together. Segregation or separation is the opposite of integration. That's when we see in a game like one of these things is not like the other. It's clearly separate. It's like you have a puzzle and you take one of the pieces and you pull it out and you go put it somewhere else. That puzzle piece has been segregated. Buddy, how about you have a seat and we're going to leave that right there for now, okay? Awesome. We're going to talk about here our series, the book, how to integrate the word of God into our lives. I want to show you a verse. Psalm 119 verse 20. It's going to be up on the screen here. It says, what I want most of all that means over absolutely everything else in my life it's the number one priority and at all times that means it's integrated not just sometimes but all the time what I want most at all times is to honor your laws the person who wrote this David is saying that whether he is at work whether he is at home whether he is at church whether he's playing with his friends he wants to honor the word of God he wants to be a person of integrity he wants the law of God the book to be applying to his life at every moment in his life he wants it to be integrated And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. In fact, kids, I have given your parents and your grandparents six memory verses. Well, I've given you five. We're going to do the sixth one today. I've given them five memory verses so far. How many people here think that their parents and their grandparents actually did the memory verses? This is not a good showing, guys. This is not a good showing. I'm going to test you, and I'm going to remind you to model the faith that you want to see repeated in your children, all right? So I'm going to test you today, but we're going to use the six verses, the six memory verses, to have a conversation about how we are integrating the Word of God into every area of our life. 
Let's take a look at the six verses together on your message notes that you got as you came in this morning. These are on there. The first thing that I'm going to do, if I am going to become a man or woman or child of the word, is I must build my life on it. I must build my life on it. In other words, the Bible must be the foundation for my life. Because the foundation, the strength of the foundation determines how big of a structure we can build on top of it. I need two volunteers to help me. I need two volunteers. Remember, if you don't volunteer, you get voluntold. I need two volunteers to come on up. We're going to have a contest. Yeah, come on up, Lilia. Maybe somebody who hasn't been up this morning. Jenny, you are already up this morning. Maybe somebody from the back over there. I need one volunteer to compete with, Jen, uh, with Lilia for our contest. Come on, guys. I'll be here all day. We'll be here all day. All right, Adam, come on up, buddy. All right, here's what we're going to do, guys. We are going to have a bit of a contest right now, and they are going to use these blocks to have a contest to build a tower. We are going to see how tall of a tower we can build in 30 seconds, all right? Now, I'm going to time you. Lilia, these blocks on this side are for you, okay? So come on over here, and we're not going to start yet. And then, Adam, this also has blocks in it, and you are going to build a tower on this side, okay? Is that on the table, so everybody can see it, okay? So Lilia, you wanna take your blocks, you're gonna put them on the table, all right? I'm gonna start the timer, and my friends, we need to cheer for them, all right? Can we cheer for them? We're gonna see how tall the tower they can do. On your mark, get set, go! All right, yeah, here we go, here we go. Come on, Lilia, you can do this, all right? See how tall it's going to be, how tall. You've got another 20 seconds. Let's keep going, let's keep going. We've got, we're halfway through, 15 seconds. Keep going. Let's go, let's go, let's go. There we go, cheer for her. Everybody's cheering for Lilia. Give it up for Lilia. There we go, uh-oh. There we go. Another five seconds. All right, my friends. Oh, and that is time. That is time, awesome. Give these guys a hand. You guys can have a seat. Thank you very, very much. Beautiful. All right, my friends, the reality is that the stronger we build the foundation, the taller the structure can be that is on top of it. Did you know that Jesus said that? Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, he says, everyone who hears these words of mine, he's talking about the Bible, and puts it into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, it's one of our memory verses. You can build your life on sand or you can build your life on a rock. I'm going to switch from this mic to the other one, guys. There we go. Beautiful. Thank you very much. All right? The stronger that we build the foundation, the taller that we can build the structure on top. And Jesus is telling us that if we are to build the foundation on the word of God, that when the storms of life and the table begins to shake, it's going to stand. But when we have a structure that has no foundation and it just continues to go up and up and up, it's very impressive. It can go taller. But as soon as Lilia begins to shake the table, it falls apart. And so if we are going to be a person of integrity and integrate the Bible into our life, we need to say, first off, I'm going to build my foundation from the word of God. Because what God says in the Bible is true. He's not going to lie to me. And truth is a good foundation. Now, the reality is, guys, that there are many people who build their lives on foundations that are not the Bible. In fact, I want to give you four things this morning that people kind of do all the time, all right? Number one, 
I want you to avoid building your foundation, building your life upon popular culture. Here's how this sounds. Every once in a while, we say something like, well, if everybody else is doing it, then I will too. If nobody else is doing it, then I'm not going to do it either. If it's popular, I do it. If it's not popular, I don't. What's the problem with that? What's the problem with that? Things aren't popular tomorrow that are popular today. Things are not in style today. The things that are in style today will not be in style tomorrow. The things that are cool today will not be cool five years from now. Now, did you know that when you're in high school, you get your school photos taken, and those school photos end up in a yearbook. Now, your parents buy yearbooks to remember the terrible decisions that they made when they were in high school, all right? Now, I was a child in the 80s and the 90s. Some of you think I'm very young for that. Some of you think I'm very old for that, all right? But I was a child in the 80s and 90s, and I want to remind you this morning that all of these people thought they looked great. Let's take a look at some yearbook photos, all right? <laughs> yes. What is popular today will not be popular tomorrow. And God says in Exodus chapter 23, verse 2, he says, do not follow the crowd in doing wrong, because the crowd is often wrong. Don't build your foundation on popular culture. Don't build your foundation on tradition. A lot of people build their lives on tradition. In other words, we say, we do it that way because that's the way we've always done it. I do it that way because that's the way my parents have always done it or the way my grandparents have always done it. But the reality is some tradition is good. Some tradition is tradition because it works, right? Tradition is tradition because it works, but no tradition lasts forever. What lasts forever? Truth. Truth lasts forever. Even Jesus says in Mark chapter 7, verse 8, he said, you have let go of the commands of God and you are holding on to the traditions of men. Some people are holding on to tradition instead of the word of God. And he said that if we do that, we are in trouble. The third thing that we don't want to build our life on is simply reason. Reason is reasonable. Reason is a good thing. In fact, God gives us the ability to reason, but sometimes the things that we think, the things that we think are good ideas, we say, I've always thought. Well, guys, it doesn't matter what you've always thought. What matters is what is right in the circumstance. And sometimes when I rely upon what I think and I reply upon my own intellect, girls, how about you have a seat over here? Awesome, thank you so much. I rely upon my own intellect and my own ideas. Sometimes I get it wrong. Have you guys ever heard of my friend Buddy the Elf? Anybody? Has anybody here heard of Buddy the Elf? I want to tell you about my friend Buddy the Elf. He's an elf from the North Pole, and uh, he found out that his biological dad is on the naughty list in New York City, and so of course he goes to help his biological dad, right? And before he goes, Santa Claus helps him out, all right? He says, you know, I've got to give you a few tips before you get there. Buddy, if you find candy on the street, don't eat it. It's not free candy. Well. I want to show you some footage of what exactly it was that Buddy ended up doing. Let's take a look.
And I think you guys can imagine what happens after that. How many times have we made a decision that seemed right to us, that in the end, wasn't really a good idea? Has anybody ever had one of those experiences? You know what, Proverbs chapter 16, 25 says, there's a way that seems right to men. It seems like the right thing, but in the end, it's a dead end and it leads to death. How many times have we made decisions in our lives where we thought, this is reasonable? We'd say, I'm gonna marry this person. I need to get into this business. I need to make this investment. I need to accept this job offer. How many times have we done something that seemed reasonable that ended up being an absolute disaster? Our reason is not infallible. We make mistakes and we're not as logical as we think we are. And that brings us to the fourth thing that we do not build our foundation on. This one is the most important, emotion. Emotion, guys, some people build their lives on emotions. They build their lives on a feeling. They say, if it feels good, I do it. And if it doesn't feel good, do I do it? No, here's the problem, guys. Our emotions lie to us. We lie to ourselves more than we lie to anybody else. Every once in a while, our emotions will tell us that things are falling apart. But does that mean they're actually falling apart? No. Sometimes our emotions will tell us that everything is okay. Is everything necessarily okay because we feel like it's okay? No, it's not like that. Our emotions are highly unreliable. And if we live by our emotions, we get manipulated by our moods. Can I tell you boys and girls that most of what gets done in our world today is done by people who decide to do what needs to be done in spite of how they're feeling about it. Did you know that? If I did what I felt like doing every day, I would spend a lot more time in my bed, all right? I would sleep in. That our diets would be pop and chips and pizza and cookies. But just because we feel like it, it doesn't make it a good idea. The Bible tells us in Judges chapter 21, this was written 5,000 years ago. It says, at the time, there was no king in Israel and people did whatever they felt like doing. That kind of sounds like 2019 that we just do what we feel like doing. Guys, if we want to build our life on the word of God, if we want to be people of integrity, we need to agree with God's word. We need to be open to it, not just when it's convenient, not when it's politically correct, but if God said it, I know that it's true. And so in spite of the challenge, I will build my life upon the word of God. The second thing that we need to do after we build our life on it, or we begin to build our life on it, is we have to feed on it. You need to feed on the Word of God to get the strength you need. The second way to integrate the Word of God into your life is by feeding on it. The Bible gives us this picture. It actually calls itself spiritual food. You know how you have to eat physical food for physical strength? The Bible says that it's the water, the milk, the bread, and the meat of spiritual food. That's everything that we need for sustenance, and we get the strength by eating what we need. Just like you get physical strength from eating physical food, you get spiritual strength for life by eating spiritual food. I have a question for you. How many people here have ever played Super Mario before? How many people? Yes. Question, would you go to Bowser's Castle on your last life as mini Mario with no extra mushrooms and with no extra capes and with no extra fireballs. The game is on the line. Would you do that? No. 
No, you'd be crazy. You'd be absolutely crazy. And God says that if we are to have the spiritual strength that we need in order to face the trials of life, we need to feed on his word. Colossians 3.16, our parents should know this already. Does anybody here know what Colossians 3.16 says? Well, it's on the screen. You all know it. <laughs> the word, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let it live inside of you. Let it give you life. So here's the question, guys. How do we live on the word of God? How do we have it inside of us for spiritual food? There are going to be five steps. Step number one, listen to it. Listen to the word of God. Commit to coming to church and listening. But sometimes what we hear, we forget, right? So don't just listen, but also read. We read the word of God. We make priority, make time to read the word of God. Now, sometimes I hear something, it goes in one ear and it comes out the other. Sometimes I read something, it goes in one eye and it goes out the other. So it's not enough, even that, okay? So the next step, I research it with my hands and I research it with my mouth. That means, Asher, that I am going to write it down. And I'm going to talk about it with my friends, all right? Step number four, I'm going to reflect on it with my mind. How many people here today talk to themselves? How many people? You're all crazy. You're all crazy. But we need to reflect on the Word of God with our mind. How about this? When you talk to yourself, what if you begin to talk to yourself about the things that God has said? You begin to think about the promises He has made over your life, and you reflect on those things over the day. The fifth way is I remember it with my heart. Now there's a difference between remembering with my mind and remembering with my heart. Remembering with my heart, we're gonna talk more about this, is Bible memorization. And so if I'm gonna let the word of God dwell in me richly, I'm gonna to listen to it, I'm gonna read it, I'm gonna research it, I'm going to reflect on it, and I'm going to remember it. That brings us to the next point on our sheet there, guys. Number three, if we're gonna be people of integrity, we have to live by the word of God. Here's the truth. When you're in crisis, it's the word of God that gives you hope. When you're confused, it's the word of God that gives you direction. When you're weak, it gives you strength. When you don't know what to do, it gives you wisdom. When you're tempted, it gives you the ability to fight the temptation. Psalm 119.11 says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Boys and girls, do you remember a story of Jesus being in the desert? Does anybody here remember a story of Jesus being in the desert? Yeah, we know. What's happening in the desert? Tell me, guys. I forget. Somebody help me. He's being tempted by who? By the devil. Yes. Now, the devil comes and he tempts Jesus three times. What weapon does Jesus use to beat the devil? It is written. That's right. See, I was going to guess like a Nerf gun, but I'm glad that uh, Daniel was here to remind me. He says, it is written. Every single time Jesus is tempted, he says, it is written. And if we are going to be like Christ and integrate the word of God into our lives, we have to defend ourselves the way Jesus did. Now, so often the time that we need the Bible are the times that we don't have the Bible. When we have a crisis in our life, we don't necessarily have a Bible sitting in front of us. When we're sharing our faith with our friends, we don't necessarily have a Bible to look at in that moment. When there is confusion, we don't know which way to go, maybe we don't have a Bible with us. And that's why God wants us to put this in our hearts. Remember it with your heart so that he can bring it to mind in those moments that you need it. 
That's why God wants us to do this. Now, I need one more volunteer to help me out here. Come on. I won't ask you to do anything weird. I want some other kids to come up from maybe halfway through the room. I need another volunteer somewhere in the corner over there. I see Janice encouraging some. Yeah, yeah. Come on up. Come on up. Come on up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on up. There we go. Let's give her a hand, guys. Let's give her a hand. I'm not going to ask you to do... Can you, can you tell everyone your name? Rebecca. Rebecca. Okay, so I'm not going to ask you to do anything weird, all right? I just thought that maybe you were thirsty this morning, and so I got some water for you, and I would just like for you to drink it, okay? So here you go. There's a glass of water, and why don't you hold it up for everybody to be able to see, okay? There's a glass of water, and Rebecca, just, just drink it for us. Why don't... Rebecca, you're kind of ruining this whole thing. You're ruining the whole thing, Rebecca. You just, just drink the water. Rebecca, just drink the water. Why, why isn't she drinking the water? It's not water. Are you kidding me? Guys, last night, we put water in a bowl. And some people like flavoring in their water. I don't think it's a good idea, but some people like it. So we put some flavoring in the water, and we mixed it up. Because you don't want flavoring in half and then not in the other. So we just mixed it up, and we put it in the fridge. Because it's, it's, water is always more refreshing when it's cold. And so I just really appreciate, Rebecca, if you would go ahead and drink the water. You can't? You can't? You can't drink it. Why not? Why can't I drink it? Why you drink it? It's solid. Because it's solid. Why is it solid? Because it's... Because it's jello, guys. Thank you very much, Rebecca. You can take that with you. Awesome. Thank you very much. <laughs> guys, did you know that the Word of God is like jello in your life? Did you know that the Word of God is like jello in your life? And when you begin to integrate it into your life, not only does your life begin to take another shape, it begins to take on the character. It begins to take on the DNA. It begins to take on the state of the Word. You begin to be that person of the Word, that living that life of integrity that we spoke about, but you don't only learn about it, you become more like the author. Fourth point, guys, this morning, we are going to grow through it. To be a person of the Word, we grow through it. A few weeks ago, guys, I told you that the Word of God is like a seed that is planted in your heart. Does anybody remember that? Anybody remember that the seed of, uh, that it's like a seed planted in your heart? Now, there's a verse, Psalm 119, verse 18. Open my eyes that I might see wonderful things in your law. There are a lot of amazing things in the Bible, guys, but we have to have our eyes opened to be able to see them. All right? Now, I want to tell you a story that some of you may or may not know. Now, Jesus tells this parable of a farmer spreading some seed. It's called the parable of the seed. Does anybody know it? Yes? All right. So the farmer, he takes some seed and he throws it all over the ground, right? And it lands on four different types of soil and he gets four different results. Is the seed different? The seed is not different. What's different? Just the soil. Right. So I want to show you here. I've got four different types of soil. Okay. So I've got one over here and uh, in here. It's like the rocky soil. All right. Over here. Um, and then we have another kind of soil. What's the second soil that he talks about? He talks about... The, the rocky soil, right? So, uh, so there's hard soil, there's rocky soil, and the rocky soil, uh, you know, that it chokes out, things don't grow very well, right? And then we have uh, some soil that is superficial. The superficial one grows really fast, right? The superficial one grows really fast, and then it dies right away. And then we also have some good soil, all right? And you see some things 
uh, how we have the same seed, but we have different results. Now, uh, time to tell you guys the truth. I used to think, can I have a volunteer here? Maybe can you come and help me? I just need somebody to uh, put some tape on these here. Uh, and there we go. One, two, three, four. Beautiful. And here's some tape. Okay. Here, we're just going to tape them on over here. Yes. And here's what we're going to do. I used to think, guys, that each one of these types of soil represented a different person. I used to think that these four types of soils were the four types of people responding to the Word of God. All right? Now, I, I don't think I was right. In fact, I think I was wrong. But I used to think that like the, the bad soil, the hard soil that wouldn't produce a result was like one type of person. Who might we think of with some hard soil that doesn't produce a result? I don't know, um, maybe Eeyore, okay? So we've got Eeyore, all right? So let's just write Eeyore here on this sheet of paper. Oh, it's okay, it's like E-E-Or, all right? Okay, it's not working. Oh, okay, well, we're just gonna have to imagine then, all right? Thanks anyways, uh, there we go, okay, perfect. So we have Eeyore on the first type of soil. On the second type of soil, we have some superficial soil, right? Some things that sprout up really quickly, but don't last. Who, that, who might that be? Who might that be? I don't know. Uh, maybe, Sophie, what do you think? You forgot? Maybe Tigger, all right? So we put Tigger on the second uh, type of soil. On the third type of soil, we've got some rocky soil. We've got, so, or so we've got some soil with weeds. And so we do a lot of hard work and then the weeds begin to choke it out. Who might that be? Rabbit. Maybe that's rabbit right there. Okay, so we've got rabbit. And then we've got the good soil. The fourth type of soil where the plants begin, the seed it takes root in the soil and we've got some good fruit. Who is that? Christopher Robin. Amazing. Yes. I'm going to let you guys preach for me every week. All right. So we've got the four labels here. We're going to, you can't see them. I apologize for that. We should have had a camera on it. Let's just, just pretend. Okay. Now, but here's the reality. Here's the reality. Here's what I would like you to do. I would like you to take these and put them on the front of each of them. Okay. Just one, two, three, four. Each one of those labels, my friends, says Pastor Kyle. The reality is that this doesn't talk about four different types of people responding to the Word of God. It talks about the same person responding to the Word of God with four different attitudes. And there have been days in my life where in the morning I have one attitude, and by the nighttime I've had all four of the attitudes, right? So let's take a look at those four attitudes of what they're going to do, and we're going to give you the Coles notes here of what our response is when we have each of those attitudes. If our heart is hardened soil, that's like us coming to God and saying, tell me whatever you like, but you know what? I've already made up my mind. God, it doesn't matter what you say about my finances. It doesn't matter what you say about my marriage. It doesn't matter what you say about school. I've already decided what I'm going to do. And if we are the hardened soil, we need to cultivate an open mind. We need to cultivate an open mind. The second type of soil is the shallow soil. That's a superficial mind. That happens, guys, when we come and we hear the word of God and we have this amazing response to it. Maybe we're feeling very emotional but by the time we go home, it's all gone away. By the time we get home, we've forgotten everything that we've done. We've forgotten all of the decisions that we've made. And we have this emotional reaction, yet we don't let it change our life. If that's what happens, we need to make time for the Word of God. Third type of soil is the soil with weeds. That's where we have this preoccupied mind. Right? We, we begin to see the things of life and the things of God and we invite them into our lives. But at the same time, we're worrying 
and we're busy and we're thinking about money and our jobs and those weeds begin to choke out the work that God is trying to do in our lives. And if that's the case, we need to eliminate the distractions. I'm honestly convinced after more than 10 years of pastoral ministry that the greatest sin of Christians in North America has nothing to do with evilness. It has nothing to do with wickedness or a slippery slope mentality. It has everything to do with busyness. Where we come and we say, God, I'm so busy in my life, I'm going to give you what I have left. By the way, it's 30 seconds between this appointment and next appointment. And we're just exhausted and we're not healthy. I am absolutely convinced that almost everyone in the room today, if they cut something out of their lives, they would be healthier emotionally, physically, and spiritually for it. If you are burning the candle at both ends, you're not as bright as you think you are. All right? Then finally, we have the fourth kind of soil, the good soil, and that is a willing mind. That's the mind that comes to the Word of God and says, God, whatever you say to me, whether it's hard, whether I understand, whether I agree with it, I know that what you say is true, and so I'm going to go that way. We cooperate with what God says. The fifth point today, guys, I have to act on the Word of God. The Bible says that we need to act on. James 1.22, do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. Guys, if going to church comes one ear in and one ear out, and we believe that just because we're in the room, just because we took some notes, that that is changing our lives, it is self-deception, right? We have been spending the last six weeks. Why is it we can trust the Bible? How is it that we can understand the Bible? And how do we spend time? How do we put a personal application to the Word of God every single time? What is God asking me to do? That is what it looks like to live a life of integrity. Finally, guys, the last one on your sheet today, I must trust in it. If I'm going to live a life of integrity, if I'm going to become the man or woman or child of God that he's called me to be, I need to trust in the word of God. Why can we trust the Bible? Well, we spent an entire session talking about that. Other people in my life have tried to guide me in ways that they felt were helpful, but they were not. There are people in our lives that love us dearly, but give us some really terrible advice. Have you ever experienced that? And it's not because they're trying to hurt you. It's not because they're trying to mislead you or they want you to fail. But the reality is that some of our human reason isn't the way that God thinks. And so when we are able to trust in God's word in spite of a lack of understanding, if God says, go that way, I better go that way. Because his word is true, and all other ways will lead us astray. Here's our memory verse for today, guys. Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. This is the flashlight verse of the Bible, all right? This is the, this is the flashlight app verse of the Bible, all right? What do you do when the lights are off, and you get out of bed in the middle of the night, and you're trying to walk down the stairs to go to the bathroom, but your little kid brother has left their Lego in the hallway. What do you do? You flip on the light so that you don't stub your toe and end up hurting yourself when you really don't need to. Guys, have you ever been in a situation where you feel like, man, I don't have the slightest idea of what I should do next? I don't have the slightest idea of whether I should accept this job offer 
or, or what school I should be going to, or, or you know, what to do with the next year, five years of my life, and you just feel confused. You're in the dark. You're in the dark, and what do you do when you're in the dark? You turn on the light. And that's why I want you to memorize this verse. Psalm 119, verse 105. Your word is a light to my feet and a lamp for my path. Here's why. Because this is a promise from God. And when you feel like you're in the dark, you come back to the word of God and you pray this verse. You say, God, I know what your word says. Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. And I'm going to trust you right now. And I trust you as I continue to read your word that you are going to flip the light on. That you are going to direct me in these decisions that I need to make for my life. And as we begin to do that, as we begin to walk in all of these, say, Lord, I'm trusting your word that it will be a light for my feet. We will see amazing things happen as God clears out the confusion. Here's what I want to challenge you to do, guys. We're going to wrap up right now. Here's what I want to challenge you to do. For those of you who have begun to read the Word of God faithfully over the last six weeks, this is week seven of the book, I want to challenge you to continue on. Jesus says, if you continue in my Word, you will be my disciples. I want to challenge you to continue. Perhaps you've been on the fence and you have not begun that journey. I want to challenge you to start today. Now, we have so many people in our church that are involved in small groups right now. I want to challenge you, as a member of a small group, to stay committed to small groups. And there are also people in our community who have said, man, I just couldn't find none that worked for my schedule. I want you to know that coming up in January, we will have more small groups, and you can make a commitment today in your heart to say, yes, when those come up, I am going to make it a priority in my life so that I can research the Word of God with my mouth, with my friends, and talk about it. Finally, I want to invite everybody, parents, grandparents, those of us who are single, anybody here who is in a position of influence and leadership over our children. By the way, that's everybody, right? We're all here, and you know what? You need to understand that our children's ministry here at Cornerstone is growing. You know, we've got three classroom environments every Sunday morning for our kids, all right? In one of those classes just a few weeks ago, not all three put together, but in just one of them, there were 19 kids in the classroom that morning. That is absolutely incredible, guys. And here's the reality, that God has given into us this incredible privilege to sow truth into the lives of our children. Now, what do we want that to look like? I want to challenge you today to model the type of faith that you want to see walked out in our kids. Do you want to see kids that are bold prayers? Do it yourself. Do you want to see kids that are keen to serve and be involved? Do it yourself. Do you want to see kids that are sharing the truth of Jesus as the hope of the world? Do it yourself. Do you want to see kids that worship with abandon and seek the presence of God? Do it yourselves. Because the reality is, our kids will mimic what we model for them. Can we do that together? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the truth of your word and, man, and all of these things that your word does for us. We thank you that we can trust it. We thank you, Lord God, that you're speaking to us, that it is alive and active, that it can transform our lives. And we thank you, Lord God, that we have come to a place of understanding how to apply it to our lives and that when we live it out, it will actually change our lives. 
Father, I pray that we are people of integrity, that wherever we go, we would allow your word to impact our lives, that we would be the same person at church as we are at home, as we are at work, and as we are at school. Father God, I pray that as you're speaking to hearts this morning, that you would convict us, that you would challenge us, and that we would be obedient to respond, to model the type of faith that we want to see lived out in this young generation. I ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.